You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discusses the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. So we have to come to grips with ourselves and we have to know, I'm going to tell everyone out here on this podcast, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. We're all winging. We're all figuring it out. The ones who are successful, commit and then figure it out. And I have another quote for you. Done is better than perfect because the background looks good now. I haven't had a background like this. I've been doing podcasts for six years. I keep moving rooms and keep shitting around. You're never going to get it perfect. Just finish it and you'll learn learn from that mistake, move on, and you'll get even better and better and better. We always just sit in there going, I'm not ready yet. You're never going to be ready. Yeah. You're going to be ready when you're ready. So for me, can you imagine I'm sitting in the shed putting away tins and I'm talking about doing $11 million. And ironically enough, that deal, we got back $110,000 at closing. I made more money on getting that money back in the closing than I did in six months working at the restaurant. And I didn't have put any money into that deal. And since then, we've been able to refile like $6 million. That, that one deal, can you imagine the stupidity wow. of me staying on that current path? So I challenge everybody out there, look at your situation. That's what I'm saying. Three years from now, where do you envision yourself? You don't have to be retired. I want everyone to figure out what your sole purpose is, what you really want to do. I didn't want to own real estate just to make a ton of money. I wanted to own real estate to be a role model to my kids. I wanted to own real estate to help other people. I wanted to own real estate to become financially free, not financially independent, financially free so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm ready to go, man. I don't want to say, oh, it's Monday morning. I can't wait till Monday morning now. I, it was the opposite of when I yep, went to work. Yep. Now I want to get up and create content and do lessons and get on podcasts and talk to people. There's a difference between financially independent and financially free. That's what real estate allowed me to do. And that was that inflection point. You're going to have several in your life and you're like, damn, what am I doing here? So that's just one of the many, but that one just stands out more than anything else. The Love Equity Show is brought to you by Azria. Widely recognized as an outstanding resource for real estate investors with exceptional education, networking, and support, along with profit-enhancing benefits and all aspects of real estate investing. Visit Azria at www.azria.org. That's visit Azria at www.azria.org. Hello, we love equity family. Today we have a special guest. We have Gino Barbaro. Gino is the man. He is from St. Augustine, Florida. Look, he's he's a best-selling author of two books, Wheelbarrow Profits and The Honeybee. He's the co-founder of Jake and Gino. If you guys haven't heard of Jake and Gino and you're looking to get into the multifamily space or you're in the multifamily space, I'm going to tell you to go over to the Wheelbarrow uh, Profits podcast. This is all about multifamily. So you guys that are looking for multifamilies, how to vet deals, where to look for deals, where to find deals, and that podcast is right there for you. Gino has it for you. He is the owner, operator, and manager of over 1,600 units. Yes, I said 1,600 units across the nation. So, man, Gino, Gino, welcome to the show, man. Glad to have you. 
Marcus, thanks for having me on. And the, and the, sh the name of your show is so appropriate. We love equity. And why is it that we love equity? We were talking about transactions and equity. Equity is what makes you rich. Equity is, is what you want to aspire to. You're, you're creating wealth by creating equity. Transactions are great. They pay the bills. We need that. But I want everyone on this podcast to adopt the mindset of let's go long-term. And that's what multifamily is all about. It's all about the long-term planning and the long-term thinking. And for me, that's what drew me to, to multifamily, Marcus. All right. So again, you know, thank you, man. We're glad to have you here on the show. So kind of going right in, digging right in, man. You, you, you owner, operator, manager of over 1,600 units. Normally when somebody say that, they're passively, passively investing, but you're actually in the dirt, digging around, talking to sellers, managing contractors, crews, and things like that. How did you get to this point? Give us your entrepreneurial background. What's your backstory? I know a little bit of it, but share it with mm -hmm. the listeners for us. Marcus, it's just like everything else in life. You don't just wake up one day and all of a sudden you have 1,600 units. I, I can equate it to my life story. I have six kids. You don't just get married and have six kids, right? It, it happens over a progression of life. And you, you, may, you, may, you may stink as a, as a parent, the first couple, right? But it takes practice, like everything else. And you get better at it. And what you say to yourself, I could not imagine myself here five years ago, 1,600 units. I'm operating them. I'm vertically integrated. I have an education platform. We have a syndication. It's just daunting and overwhelming to think about it. What I want everyone to do is just to step back and really think of what your goals are. Marcus, if I ask you three years from now, where do you see yourself successfully three years from now, professionally, financially, with the family? Everyone answer that question to themselves and then come back to the present. And how do you reverse engineer that? And that's what I did when I started out in 2013 with Jake. We bought our first property. It took us 18 months to buy the first property. And I had a big enough why. I had enough clarity on why I wanted to do that because I had a lot of kids and everyone kept telling me, well, they're going to get married. They're going to go to college, yeah. save for retirement. And I kept getting that. And I'm like the restaurant business that I was in for years, it was, it was wonderful. But what with the mom and pop that I was tapping out, working harder, making less, it, it wasn't making ends meet. And all I wanted was couple thousand bucks a month in passive income to pay for those extra bills, right? I was thinking small and I didn't want to fix and flip because I'm like, I don't want another job. Yeah. I want to create some kind of wealth and, and long-term. And I was lucky and blessed to find Jake and Jake moving down to Knoxville, Tennessee, where we started investing. And we bought that first deal together. And for me, it was all about the clarity. So everyone on this call, why multifamily? I can go on and say, hey, cash flow, number one, appreciation, number two, number three is tax benefits, and yep. I want everyone to write this one down, cycle resiliency, number four. Right now, everyone said the world was going to end because no one's going to pay their rents. Well, what? People are paying their rents right now, especially if you're in these more reddish kind of states, right? Where I'm not talking politics, I'm talking policy right now. People yep. are paying their rents. And Florida, the market is cranking. Texas, they didn't lose jobs. People have jobs down here and they're still working. So there's a resiliency to multifamily that I never even thought of five or six years ago. All I thought of was cash flow. But now with all these other intrinsic these benefits in the multifamily space, the ability to scale it up and really to build a business and also to build multiple businesses. You know, we wrote the honeybee because all of a sudden you start out with a little 25 unit property and now 1600 units later, we're creating a captive insurance company. We're going to be offering renters insurance to our, to our residents and we're going to be making money with collecting renters insurance. So you start small, wow. but the opportunity, exactly, the opportunities are endless. If you had told me three years ago, 
I wouldn't even know what the heck you're talking about, right? But I just want everyone on the call, what is it three years from now that is going to really revolutionize your life? And for me, three years from now is to have students close 30,000 units. That's what I'm shooting for three years from now. We're at about 8,000 8, units right now. That's my goal. My goal is not to make income. My goal is not to buy units. My goal is focus on my students becoming successful because the more successful they become, the more successful we become as, as a company and as a brand. So you guys went from zero to mm -hmm. 1,600 units in three or four years? Uh, five, it was about five and a half years. So the first 1,000 okay. units, what we did, the first 1,000 units, it was just me, my partner, Jake, and another partner, Mike. We didn't syndicate. We just bought deals. We refinanced the proceeds and rolled it into the next deal. So we were, we were able to refinance about $10 million out of our portfolio and keep buying up, keep buying up and keep buying up. That's what we kept doing. At the 1,000 unit plateau, we said, well, we should try the syndication. Syndication in 2016, 2017, that was the flavor of the month. We yep. had not done it yet, but we said, what? Everyone else is doing it. How do I learn? So what I did, Marcus, we had the podcast. I podcasted Bruce Peterson, Vinny Chopra. I mean, the list goes on and on. Michael Blank, Reed Goose, yep. all these podcasts just to learn, right? Because that's how I learned. Then we started teaching it and we actually ended up our next 600 units. We were able to buy with us with syndication. And what, when I say, Marcus, there's no right or wrong path. It's, it's really just a tool in the toolbox. We've done seller finance deals. We've done syndication deals. We've done JVs. Every deal needs to be looked through a prism and every deal is unique, right? You need to know what the three pillars of real estate are. That's what we teach. You want to learn about where the market cycle is, mm -hmm. where the debt is on the property, what kind of debt you're getting and the exit strategy. Look at it through that lens and then you'll be able to say, hey, this deal is a syndication deal because with this 48 unit deal we're just you know signing this week, it's not really a syndication deal. It's a little too small and it's one of those deals where it's a little hair on it. So are my investors going to say, hey, I, I want to get paid. I can't wait 18 months to get a, a return back. So for us, we'll buy it internally. We'll control it ourselves and then we'll refinance it. That's the exit strategy. We're not going to sell this thing. We're going to refinance this thing to agency, pull all our money out, 30 year amortization and we'll have cost segregation on it. Some deals where, hey, what? I need to get capital. I'm just going to buy this deal, syndicate it, make some fees. 24 months later, hopefully I can you know, sell it out and make a 25% IRR for my investors. So I want everyone to look at it through that prism, the three pillars of real estate. Where you are in the market cycle is going to tell you what kind of deals you're buying. Yeah. What kind of debt are you going to put on? Are you going to use community? Are you going to owner finance it? Are you going to use agency? And what's your exit strategy? I mean, I used to be the buy and hold. I would hold everything. But sometimes when you've got such an appreciation play and you can pull that money out and go buy something that's quote unquote value added distressed, you can do that. You should yeah. do that. So we've done that before. So look at it from that prism and it'll give you a good idea. I think Marcus, you can use that in your, in your business in single family home as well. Some people just do things to do things, but you need to have a plan and it, it doesn't work. It's fine, but you can at least... As Mike Tyson says, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face, but it's okay. Once you get punched in the face a couple of times, you'll know how to divert the plan and it won't affect you as much, but you just still need to have some type of framework in place for your investors and even for yourself. And, and, and you said a whole lot there, Gino, because that was one of the things with me. I was always, okay, buying, you hold this thing long-term, you hold mm -hmm. it forever, but now I'm starting to look at it. Okay, well, if I buy it now and I gain 30% appreciation over a few years, why not sell it and take that money and then deploy it elsewhere? Mm -hmm. So, man, what you're saying is, is absolutely spot on. So let's kind of take it back just a little bit. For those who are, you know, just getting into the multifamily space or they have a few doors like I do and they're looking to scale up and do some bigger things, how did you guys get started with that 25 doors? 
So for me, I, I like to always quote Mark Twain when he says, it ain't what you don't know that gets you in trouble. It's what you know for sure that just ain't so. And what I mean by that is people getting into multifamily, the first thing they think of is, oh, I need money to get into multifamily or I need credibility to get into multifamily. And if that were the case, a lot of students, a lot of people would not be in multifamily. We were hung up on our first deal with money. That's what we, that's what we said. Jake and I, how are we going to find the money? Where are we going to find the money? Well, on that first 25-unit property, we didn't buy the most amazing deal. We bought a deal that had a lot of hair on it. We bought a deal that we got 10% owner financing on it. So there are a lot of other things you can do. And we also partnered with my brother on that deal. So it was a, it was a 25 unit property and we still own the property to today. It's, okay. I mean, it's, it was one of those, I don't know if anybody's ever read uh, Fixer J DeSema. It was one of those dilapidated little 25 unit properties mixed use with cottages here, a six unit efficiency, some duplexes. I loved it because of the community aspect of it, but they were weekly renters. It was a hard property and it was a mom and pop owner who ran up the expenses. They were paying for the cable. The garbage bill was extraordinary. Wow. They were paying for the tenant utilities. It was a lot of resident turnover. They had no systems. And that was the value play. It was valuation through operation, not just renovation. I mean, it was really operationally run poorly. We didn't know at the time. We just saw, wow, these people are making this money. Their expenses are high. Let's buy it. So it was right. a $600,000 $600, purchase price. We probably could have paid less, but it was our first deal. That's why it is okay. what it is. It's okay. We paid a little bit extra, but we got into the game. Right now, actually, we just did our we just did our schedule of real estate own because we're buying another deal. The property is valued at probably a million three right now. It's probably worth wow. over fifty five thousand a unit because we've been able to push off those utilities. We've been able to have, raise rents on the property. So it was when you're looking at a property and you're looking at multifamily or even single family. We use the spy technique: the seller, the property in you. We're always going into markets. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Yeah, no, when you, go yeah. into, when you go into negotiation in real estate or anything in life, you're trying to solve the other problems, the other, other size problems. And this property, look for mom and pops. What a mom and pop basically is, it's a motivated seller. They are landlords who just want to get out for so many different kinds of reasons. They can have partner acrimony. They can have brothers who want to kill each other. I've been there. We've all been there, right? We have, <laughs> yep. we have a partner with a family, right? You may be moving, getting out. You may have health issues. You may be burned out. You may have no systems, whatever that may be. That's what this first property and the, the remainder of our property has right now and that we've bought for the last, our, our entire portfolio. They're all mom and pops in one variation of another. They can be 26 units. They can be 281 units, but they all have the aspect where the seller is motivated. And that's what you need in real estate. So, and you open, listen, your, you open your ears and you listen to what problems they had. These are two old, elderly couple that just didn't want to do this anymore. They were sick of getting weekly residents. They were sick of not having property managed properly. They were sick of going and chasing money. And that's what we saw. We were able to find that in our you know, long-term strategy was to actually turn that into monthly renters. It took a little while. It took us about six months to cycle everybody out and get that going, but turned it into a nice little community. I mean, the, the, the male lady, about a year after she started delivering there, she said to Jake, well, this has turned into a nice community. I'm not afraid of delivering the mail anymore. Gotcha. And that's what we want to do in multifamily, right? We want to create those communities and, and make it safe for people. And in that space, their residents are often underserved. They are people who can't afford to buy homes and we just take them for granted. And if you can try to really serve them and try to give them the customer service, you will have residents for life. So one of the, one of the problems that I had with my multifamily when I bought it, mm -hmm. Gino, was repositioning the tenants. So mm -hmm. how did you guys do that with these 25 units when you're getting weekly rent? So now you're going from weekly to monthly. Mm -hmm. how, did you, how did you reposition that property? 
So for us, it was a little bit easier because remember, there's a cottage here, then a cottage here, then a duplex here. So you'd go one building at a time and you start cycling them out. And that's what you need to do when you have an, our three-step repositioning framework is basically fill any vacants. Any vacants that you have in the property, day of takeover, you focus on those. Turn those over, have your five or six day takeover plan, whether you're replacing flooring, whether you're doing fixtures, whether you're painting, get that done. Those are the first ones you start filling up. Then from there, the residents around will start saying, wow, these people are going to raise rents, aren't they? Because everything's turning yep. out nice. All of a sudden, the mailboxes look good. Those gutters are cleaned. The landscaping, I got laundry machines that work. All of a sudden, they get the queue. And you'd be amazed. Sometimes residents in that space, that's what they were looking for. They'll go and they'll go into a unit that you just repositioned. It's happened to us a lot. In our third deal, we had residents paying 450 a month. We actually, in the process, were renovating new units at 595 We had a lot of residents that actually transitioned over and wanted to actually go into the new ones. That's great. When that happens, that unit becomes vacant. So if you have like, let's say you have like fourplexes and there's five or six on the property, try to do one building at a time. Try to go one building at a time. But what I would do is really start working on the outside as you're working on the inside. You want to really reposition the outside. We do a lot of brand signage. The signage gets changed. So there's a new sheriff in town. Yep. The office gets cleaned up and gets taken care of really nicely. All of our common areas, whether you have laundry machines or we have a fitness center or a club center, clubhouse, those need to be taken care of also. And then just basically start with the interiors, the ones that are vacant, reposition those, start implementing our your, your ratio utility building system where you're building back the residents. And then as new uh, residents come due, start signing them up. If they leave, that, that unit gets vacant, attack that unit right then and there. Does that make sense, Marcus? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So it's the first part of the process is fill the vacancies, get in mm -hmm. there, fill the vacancies, work on some of your leasehold improvements, your landscaping, signage, mm -hmm. everything like that. And those tenants become aware. They're like, okay, either I'm going to pay the higher rent or I'm going to start looking for another place. Mm -hmm. And that's good because you start weeding out those who want mm -hmm. to stay versus those who want to leave. Okay. Sounds great. Sounds great. Marcus, so, let, me add, let me add one more thing to that. Go ahead. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell everyone, this, this is one of my golden nuggets that I've learned in life. We just, in our, our property we bought back in November of 2018, it was 132 units. It was, it was our first syndication. We're out there. We're painting the buildings. They're red brick. We're painting them white. Dude, they look beautiful. I mean, they look, they're popping. We have residents that are complaining. It's just the nature of the beast. Don't take yeah. every complaint as, oh, what, what am I doing wrong? You need to do it once you add value and, and listen to your residents. What we, learned that, what we learned on that property was they wanted safety. They wanted exterior lights. So don't be afraid to give residents a survey and say, what can we do better? Get your ego out of the way. By putting that exterior lighting, it gives them the comfort and the safety that we ended up doing that. But I was amazed. I'm like, so it's just people don't want change. They're used to yeah. comfort. They're used to ugly ass red building. We paint it white, black shutters. It just looks great. At the end of the day, they liked it. After a month or two, mm -hmm. they, some of them are like, you know what? It does look good. So if you know you're doing the right thing, stick your guns, continue to add value, but also get that feedback because sometimes we need feedback from residents to saying, what can we be doing better? We need to be proactive with our customer service and our maintenance staff. That's where a lot of operators fail because you need to get maintenance taken care of because if Marcus has got to go on a job interview Wednesday and he doesn't have a hot water heater Tuesday, guess what? Marcus is not going to re-sign up with me next year because he nope. says, damn, I didn't have the hot water heater. That's the hardest part with our business and being upfront and saying, hey, we messed up. What can we do better? That's what we need to be doing better in the multifamily space. That, and that's big. It's that feedback. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things that, that I really look at, Gino, is that feedback. When there is a maintenance request that comes in, let's not 
haggle over what needs to be done. If it needs mm-hmm. to be repaired and it's a sensible yep. repair, let's get out there and let's get it done. Because at the end of the day, when it's time for that lease renewal, people mm-hmm. rather stay where they're at versus right. pay that expense to move. And if you have a decent quality product, they're going to stay. So mm-hmm. that limits that vacancy, limits that turnover and everything like that. So yeah, that's, I mean, that formula right there, Jake, is, is outstanding. So let me mention another thing, the four Ps. Let me see if I remember the four Ps because if you have the four Ps in any business, you will succeed. If one of them is weak, you will not. The first one is price. If your price is not right, if you're charging too much for your apartments, if you're charging too much to sell a home, you're not, it's not going to happen. I see students out there going, well, the market's 700. Guess what? The market's not 700, right? right. You have to worry about your, your, your price. The next one is promotion. The promotion, you marketing it. You have to be out there marketing your, 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 your product out there. And if you're not marketing, whether it's Craigslist, whether it's Zillow, whether you're putting Facebook ads, you have to do that, right? The product is the third thing. Are you selling a good product? Are you out there with the product? I mean, are you out there... Is, do you have a nice apartment unit? Is it done well? Is, is it you maintain? Are you changing the fixtures? Are you taking care? And I think the, the last one is, is the process. You have a, a process in place to take care of the residents and to actually onboard and all that. So think of those four Ps. They're really important. If one of those is not working properly, you are going to fail in your business no matter what that business is. So, And I'll add one more and it's the people. You know, ah, most team. important thing. Yes, yep, I love yep. that, my friend. <laughs> you nailed that one on the head. You're 100% right because without the right team members, without people having buy-in, that is so important that, that you need to have right team members. I love that. Thanks for yep, adding that yep. one on there. So, so where did you guys, how did you guys find this property? Because I know you guys were just getting started. Were you doing any marketing or did you just find it on the MLS or Kind of, kind of what happened? How did you guys? Well, find it? that's a great question. Back then, back in the day, a few years ago, you could find stuff on LoopNet, right? That's where mm-hmm. stuff just went to die. And I would challenge everybody, especially in the smaller multifamilies, don't be afraid of looking at LoopNet. Don't be afraid of looking at the MLS, especially deals that have been there for six months or a year that are languishing. Because right now you have brokers and sellers with unrealistic expectations. And in the next few months, Stuff may be sitting on there. Don't be afraid to start looking there and continue to look there and have those reports out there or those alerts. When a property's there for six months, give the broker a call. And that's the place where you start establishing relationships with brokers. In the smaller multifamily space, you can definitely do a direct mail campaign. But once you get into the 50, 60, yep. 100 units, it's a lot harder because they're more savvier, especially in the last couple of years, and they know what they have. This 48 unit that I was talking about, we got it off a chat box. Someone came on our website, chatted. It was a broker, and she, she had called me. It was a Thursday of the week before. I called her right back, scheduled it, said, let me, show the, let me see what you, what you got. Two days later, my partner, Jake, is on the property, touring the property with her. So you have to move really quick. You have to do what you say, and you have to say what you do. And it's all about the broker relationship. You really have to get in front and see who the brokers are in that market. You have to be able to learn how to speak to them intelligently. When they give you a deal to underwrite, underwrite the deal and get it back to them as soon as possible. That's really important. And Marcus, there's other professionals out there, whether they're title companies, whether they're CPAs, whether they're attorneys, insurance agents, our, our, actually our, one of our bankers got us a, a deal about a year and a half ago because one of his 
one of his uh, lenders, one of the one of the deals that he had, they wanted to sell, and he had the loan. So he introduced this to the sellers, and we did it that way. You're always out there making those relationships in real estate. You never, never know when somebody has a deal for you. But the brokers are, are, are the A number one in, in multifamily. That's true. You never know where the next deal is going to come from, and mm-hmm. building those relationships with brokers are are very, 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 very key. So mm-hmm. you guys, tell me about this 48 unit. Because I know you guys are still. Did you close on it yet? Or? No. Okay. No. We just we just got contracts going out today. We're going to sign. We actually gave them full full asking. It was coming off of a USDA loan, so it was a housing assistance project, and the and the uh, contract came off. These were the original builders. They don't want to run. They don't want to run market value products, so they've had it for a long time. They probably have no more depreciation left on it. They're just motivated sellers. They want to sell it. Before it went on the market, the way everything is all right now, there's not much stuff trading right now. So we had to go at full asking. It's about 40000 a unit. We're probably going to have to put in about four to 5000 a unit on this property. Once we do that, we'll be at 45000 per unit. Mm-hmm. It's going it's to average about $650 a month in rents. So that's a nice rent multiplier. Yeah. You're about six or seven times rent, which makes a lot of sense. It's in a great little market. It's right behind the Lowe's, right behind, right near Chick-fil-A. So it's, it's one, of the, one of the best areas of the town itself. Okay. We like the median income. The median income is in the 50s. So we like it for that kind of space. We look at median income. So you want at least three times rent to be able to have the residents pay. We just like everything about it. Wish we had another zero. Wish it was 480 units, but it is what it is. <laughs> it doesn't matter the size anymore. Right now, if a 30-unit deal works and you can fit it as far as your operations, we're going to do 30 units. We did a 52-unit deal back in March. That's what's coming our way right now. So it's not like we're not going to say no to it, but we wish they were bigger. But right now, you just got to take what you can get. So that was going to be my next question, is what do you guys look for when you're evaluating these deals? What are some of the things that you look for? That's a great question. So in this part of the market cycle, Marcus, I would say be wary of buying deals that are built in the 50s and 60s, that older product, because number one, cast iron plumbing, right? There's a lot yep. of CapEx. My, one, of my, one of our coaches calls it the CapEx tsunami because when you have these older properties, you're in the, you're in the business. It's not, you're not just doing spreadsheets. Roofs go. Yep. Driveways go. Air conditioners go. You got to change floors. So people, and I'm not saying not to buy old properties, but the problem is right now that people are overbidding on these older properties. If you're overbidding, then you need to put in a ton of capex, and you've already your cost per door has gone up, and the market takes a turn. What happens? Yeah. You've already lost a ton of value. Now, the great thing is you don't lose money in real estate until you have to sell. If you've got long-term fixed rate financing, you may be able to weather the storm and ride that out. That's what happened back in 08. People actually had real estate due. They, had, they, had, they were collateralizing real estate and they didn't have long-term fixed rate financing. Multifamily did okay back in 08, 09. Yeah, if you had fixed yeah. rate financing, it did. But that's the thing. That's what I see happening. So right now, we're looking at you know, properties that are a little bit newer, built 80s, 90s. So there's less CapEx. Now, that means that you're going to be in better neighborhoods. Your, your cap rates are going to be lower. So your properties prices are going to be higher. We're looking really for properties that have, we call it valuation through operation, not renovation. So if we can operationally make it better by saying, hey, why is the manager getting paid 52000 when we can pay her 40000 And why are expenses this high? Why, what about the garbage? And why are utilities so high? If we can fix things through operation, that's what we're looking for in, multi, in right now in this part of the cycle. Gotcha. So are you guys, so when you're doing that evaluation, are you looking at the operational leverage that you can have to increase versus you're looking at that first or you're looking at the property first? I I think we're looking at both. I I mean, obviously when you look at a T12 and you're saying that somebody's somebody's running a property at $6,000 per unit in expenses per year and 
that you can run it at 5,000. That's a home run right there because a dollar in expenses saves a dollar in your pocket. Now, we're, what we want to do is we don't want to go in there and start doing a total rehab and saying, I'm going to put $10,000 per unit. I'm going to fix the granite. I'm going to rip out the cabinets and go for a $50 or $100 per, run, per month rent bump. That's not our model. We don't need to do that in this part of the cycle. It's really risky. Yeah. Three, four years ago, that was the liftoff. Those properties used to be called distressed. Then the marketing gurus came in and they're called value add. They're still mm -hmm. distressed, my friend. They still need a ton of work. And like I said, in this part of the cycle, putting that much in there and then not, their, their model is more of fixing and flipping, right? Because they're putting yeah. a lot of value. And, and I would say, let's refire that thing. But it's like putting lipstick on a pig. That thing, is that going to be a long, are you going to be able to hold that for the next 10 years and not have another CapEx come due? That, that's where the issue is. So buying the properties that are a little bit newer, like this one is an 84 that we're just buying. And the one we bought back in March was a 90s build, townhomes, brick. So those are the kind of deals we're trying to look for now. Now, I don't want to discourage anyone by saying, hey, if you have an older property, don't look at it. If you have an older property and you can buy it really well, our three-step framework is buy right, manage right, and finance right. If you can buy it well and get it at a good price and still have to put that CapEx, then go ahead and do it. If not, just be careful of overpaying those on those older deals right now. Okay. That makes sense. Okay. Makes makes a whole lot of sense. So basically okay. what you're saying is don't get into those older deals where you're going to have that CapEx especially if you don't have the money for the cap x and you're just mm -hmm. trying to put lipstick on a pig and then boom in three years the roof got to be done or yep. cast iron plumbing or you know electrical needs to be updated no i definitely mm -hmm. definitely understand so you guys are doing a lot kind of give us the framework of your team how is your team operated managed because i know you guys are again you're, you're doing everything acquisitions management disposition everything so that's the life of the entrepreneur, right? When you first start out, it's the I'm a mentality. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do everything. And, and the problem with that is that I found in my restaurant, I stayed at one restaurant. I was amazing, man. I made a nice chicken parm. I'm not kidding. I was- I Don't make me hungry. I'm telling you, you should see my gardens. I could, my dad had a green thumb. I mean, we were growing everything. I, it was amazing, right? But that doesn't make you an amazing entrepreneur, an amazing business person. It just makes you an amazing technician. If you read the e-myth, right? And there's mm -hmm. nothing wrong with that. But if you want to scale the business, you have to realize there's certain inflection points. And I think our first deal was, I'm going to do this. Jake's out there cutting the grass and the tractor. We're learning the processes. We're managing the deals ourselves. I'm doing the bookkeeping on QuickBooks myself. The second deal we're at 60 units. We're still not there to hire full-time just yet, but we're almost there. We have resident managers on both of our properties. We have on the resident managers can do a little bit of maintenance. We don't have a full-time property manager yet. Six months after buying our second deal, a year after the first deal, we bought 136 units. That's when that's the inflection point that it's like, okay, I'm a can't do everything. I'm yep. going to have to hire a property manager and I'm going to get a two full-time maintenance techs. And that's really hard for the entrepreneur and for the person striving to be an entrepreneur because all of a sudden you're letting go of the reins. That's when you have to start working on systems. And that's why the, the I'm a part where you're learning it, start documenting it. Systems don't have to be like these, these amazing difficult things. It's really, what did you do today? Let's, di let's diagnose it. Let's write it down. Let's document it. And let's start teaching others, whether you're shooting a loom video, whether you're doing a Google doc or a Google sheet, that's how you grow. So for us, it was just us in the very beginning. And then from there, since, since there, 
When we talk about people, systems, and culture, you, you mentioned the people part. Start creating your core values. We didn't have core values in the beginning. The core values were me and Jake. Let's buy deals. There's, <laughs> right. there's, nothing, there's nothing wrong with that in the beginning. But as you start adding layers and you start growing the systems, you can find the right people. And that's what we ended up doing. I mean, we have, I think, about 50 people in the property management side. On the education side, there's around 10 people. On the syndication side, there's two people doing it. So as you start growing, you start delegating responsibilities. Jake does the property management day to day. He runs the build the businesses day to day with the property management with that entire team. I do the education day to day. That's why I'm on this podcast and he's not. And then we have somebody helping us with the syndication. We have over a thousand investors on our list. There's no way Jake or Gino can get on and cultivate that list. So it's a growing process. Like I said, having six kids is just that one little process, that one little layer. Take one deal at a time, one deal at a time, and then as you start growing. Our biggest mistake that we made, we didn't have property management software. Could you imagine that? That's a big mistake. I mean, like I was using QuickBooks and then we went to something called RentPost. They didn't have Buildium or software solution five or six years ago that we should have utilized. That's not having a proper system. We, I, we ultimately ended up going to Appfolio and that really helps out a lot. That helps out a lot with the books. So you have proper record keeping, you have proper numbers. Mm -hmm. So those little tweaks that you need as you grow and saying, what I'm not going to delegate out. I mean, at the restaurant, I'm in the kitchen washing dishes. Why am I doing $10 an hour of work? Because I'm going right. to do this and I'm going to do that. And I feel busy. The thing is, we feel busy, busy, busy. We get that dopamine hit that at the end of the day, we really feel like we accomplished something. But then when you look back, you're like, what the hell did I do? I just washed dishes today. I felt good by washing yep. dishes when I could have gotten somebody else. And I know it's resonating with a lot of people on the call because I've done it. And I still do it. I'm like, yep. why am I doing these tasks? Because it makes me feel good. But ultimately, you have team members and you have Jake yelling at you going, why are we doing this? We should be writing another book. Why are we doing this menial work when you get a, a virtual assistant to post some stuff on Instagram when we should be creating content or something else? So look at it from that perspective. Once, you, you, once you've reached it and you've learned how to do it, if you can delegate it out and have somebody actually do it for a lot less than you and your value is somewhere else, just look at that. And that's hard, Marcus, because we all have an ego and we want to be, all want to be right and we want to stay nice and comfortable and all. Yep. That's why I had one restaurant because I wanted to stay in that comfort zone. But after a while, you're going to be looking around and going, I don't want to do this anymore. There's something, so, something more. So with that mental switch, Gino, how did that occur where you say, but I can't do this. I'm a, I, in order for me to get bigger, I need to, to do something different. How did you, how did you mentally prepare yourself for that? So and I'm asking my, this personally for me. <laughs> I have my book here for everyone on YouTube. I have my book. My book is my cell phone. The cell phone is like this. I'm in the restaurant. 2015. I'm in my shed. I'm putting away the container tins. You know those two go to container tins, the metal ones where you get out when you get food to go. Yep. And I'm talking to Jake and, I'm on the call with him and it's an $11 million owner finance deal that I'm negotiating with him. And I stop and I say to myself, I'm doing $10 an hour work here and I'm negotiating an $11 million seller finance 281 unit deal. And I said to myself, God, I, what am I, a scared little chicken shit here where I'm doing this work? When I, and I challenged myself there. I said, this deal could set me free for life and put me on the path. And instead, I'm hiding in a shed here doing this crappy work. It's really becoming real with yourself. That's the reality of it. And that's when it really hit me in the face. And I'm like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm doing this. So we have to come to grips with ourselves. And we have to know, I'm going to tell everyone out here on this podcast, Nobody knows what the hell they're doing. We're all winging. We're all figuring it out. The ones who are successful, commit and then figure it out. And yeah. I have another quote for you. Done is better than perfect because the background looks good now. I haven't had a background like this. I've been doing podcasts for six years. I keep moving rooms and keep shaking around. You're never going to get it perfect. Just 
finish it. And then you'll learn from, the, learn from that mistake, move on, and you'll get even better and better and better. We always just sitting there going, I'm not ready yet. You're never going to be ready. Yeah. You're going to be ready when you're ready. So for me, can you imagine I'm sitting in the shed putting away tins and I'm talking about doing $11 million. And ironically enough, that deal, we got back $110,000 at closing. I made more money on getting that money back in the closing than I did in six months working at the restaurant. And I didn't have put any money into that deal. And since then, we've been able to refile like $6 million. That, that one deal, can you imagine the stupidity wow. of me, st- me staying on that current path? So I challenge everybody out there, look at your situation. That's why I'm saying three years from now, where do you envision yourself? You don't have to be retired. I want everyone to figure out what your sole purpose is, what you really want to do. I didn't want to own real estate just to make a ton of money. I wanted to own real estate to be a role model to my kids. I wanted to own real estate to help other people. I wanted to own real estate to become financially free, not financially independent, financially free so that when I wake up in the morning, I'm ready to go, man. I don't want to say, oh, it's Monday morning. I can't wait till Monday morning now. I, it was the opposite of when I went yep, to work. Yep. Now I want to get up and create content and do lessons and get on podcasts and talk to people. There's a difference between financially independent and financially free. That's what real estate allowed me to do. And that was that inflection point. You're going to have several in your life and you're like, damn, what am I doing here? So that's just one of the many, but that one just stands out more than anything else. Sweet, sweet. And that's, and what you said, I mean, it just really resonates and it hit home. It should be hitting home with a lot of people because mm-hmm. you find yourself like, okay, why am I doing this? Why mm-hmm. am I doing this? If my goal is to have X in three years, the current path that I'm on, I'm not going to reach X in that's three right. years. So like you said, it's just really being brutally honest with yourself and saying, okay, Marcus, what are you going to do? What are you going to change? And if this is what you're really committed to doing, Let's get out there and do it mm-hmm. no matter what. So, And Marcus, I would also say back in 2008 was where my inflection point was. What happened in 08? It was, it was the Great Recession. Yep. I mean, it was really, I don't, people don't remember it. It was, I mean, pricing here is just getting back to where it was in 07, 08. When the credit markets were in the toilet, I'm having a crisis of confidence. Don't let that problem lose. Use that as an opportunity. And the reason why I'm saying that is fast forward to 2020, it is 2008, Again, without the virus itself, but still, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. Don't let a crisis go to waste. Use this to motivate yourself. Use this to find other people who are like-minded like you and who want to take it to the next level. And that's why you're listening to podcasts and that's why you're going to meetups and listen to virtual events and just trying to raise that level of energy. Because right now is, is, is the way to say to yourself, I have a lot of students who are like, this has been a blessing in disguise. I'm actually able to work from home, get more stuff yeah. done. I'm actually yeah. underwriting more deals. So th- we're all a lot of 24 hours. We're all dealt the same cards. You're, you're going through the pandemic like I am, right? Like everyone yeah. else is. How are you using your time? How is the listener using their time? And how am I using my time? When this thing hit back in March, people were freaking out. Yeah, Grant Cardone, I'm going to fire all these people, get rid of everybody. Jake and I just said, let's see what happens. Let's calm down because they've been wrong the whole time. Rents weren't going to be paid in March. They weren't going to be paid in April. May was going to be the the, the apocalypse. Yep, yep. June. <laughs> now we're in August and people are still paying. So I'm just saying like, keep, keep it level-headed. Watch and guard your emotions because low emotions leads to lower intelligence and does not lead to any solutions. That's why there's no solutions being created right now because everyone's got their emotions flying all over the place. If we can keep our emotions high, we can get off this podcast. After you're off this podcast, ready to go to work. You're, you're going to have the great rest. I'm going to, I get off right now. I'm ready. To, I'm fired up. I'm going to do, I'm going to write a couple articles when I get off. I'm ready to go. I've got a five o'clock with Jake. I'm ready to start my end of my day. If you're not there right now, why aren't you there? 
Yeah. Only yeah. one pandemic. This is, it's funny because this is a time when you just look at and you say, there's got to be some opportunity coming out of this right now. And it's never the right time. I'm going to tell everybody, it is never the right time to get in real estate or, or start a new job or get married or in my case, have another kid. It's never the right time until you're ready. And when you're ready, no. you're going to be like, wow, it's the right time. Don't let this pandemic go to waste. Let it teach you something. Let it say to yourself, I got to get my goals. That's what, that's what it comes down to. And another thing that I've been telling people about this pandemic is I said, if evaluate yourself during this pandemic, mm -hmm. if you don't learn anything or become better on the other side of this pandemic, just mm -hmm. go and get a job because you're not yep. ready to be an entrepreneur because yep. during this time, during these three, four months, you should come out better on the other mm -hmm. side. It should be everything that you put on the back burner saying, well, I can't get to it because of this, or I can't do it because of that. Mm -hmm. You have no excuses now. Like you said, mm -hmm. we're all at home. We're all, you know, working this. How are you going to use that time to better mm -hmm. yourself? So you should be listening to podcasts. You should be uh, reading articles. And not only that, you should be, you should be putting some of that stuff into action. So you should say, okay, well, let me get out here. Let me get on LoopNet. Let me look at a deal. Let me see if I can learn how to evaluate a deal and do mm -hmm. some practice things. That way, when I come out of this, I'm like, okay, I know what CapEx I need to look for. I know what area I want to be in. I know who I want to be connected to and everything mm -hmm. like that. So like you said, uh, Gino, this is an opportune time for you to push, position yourself further down the road. And if you can't do it yourself, Marcus, go out there and find somebody to partner with. I was, like I said, fortunate to partner with Jake. It's been my mastermind for the last eight years, partnered with Mike. And now we've created the Jake and Gino community. And that's like my mastermind. Every week I'm on with the students. I'm talking to them. I'm, I'm engaged. Sometimes it's hard to do it by yourself. Sometimes you don't have faith in yourself, but I ain't letting Jake yep. down. I, I'll let myself down before I let Jake down. So that's the crazy yep. part about it, right? So find a partner if you're afraid to do it yourself. And I love being on the podcast with him. We're on every week. If he can't make it, I pick up the slack and vice versa. So there's no excuses, really. All right. Well, we're going to take a brief break right here with Gino. Gino, when we come back, I want to talk about finance and I want to talk a little bit about deal structuring. And when we come back, we'll jump right into that. Finding real estate deals can be a challenge, but with Batch Leads, it doesn't have to be. Batch Leads has created a one-stop solution for all your real estate needs. So you can find more sellers, close more deals, and maximize revenue. Batch Leads offers a comprehensive suite of lead generating tools that cover text messaging, skip tracing, finding comps, and much more. Batch Leads help you simplify, manage, and organize all your data in one place. Batch will help you stack your lists and identify properties that appear on multiple lists and have multiple distress indicators. These sellers are likely to be highly motivated and eager to sell. Get the most powerful and complete lead generation platform in the industry. Locate sellers, buyers, and lenders nationwide in seconds. Go to Batchly.io and use promo code WELOVEEQUITY. All right, we are back with Gino Barbaro. If you're not familiar with who Gino is, you better hurry up and get familiar with him. This guy owns, controls, and manages over 1,600 units across the nation. He is the podcaster they have wheelbarrow profits podcast he's an author best-selling author of wheelbarrow profits book and the honeybee so we have gino here gino let's talk about financing when you did that first deal that 25 unit i'm going to go back to that because that's mm -hmm. really the start of how you started learning how to how to structure deals 
I know you said that it was, if I'm not mistaken, part of it was seller financing on that deal. Mm-hmm. Kind of kind of yep. walk us through some of the financing and how did you have the confidence to say, okay, this is my first deal. I'm going to jump out here and we're going to do 25 units. I didn't have the confidence. I just had the desperation, to be honest with you. <laughs> I, I just wanted to get into it. I didn't, I, like I, what I didn't know what I didn't know. Owner financing, I would say to everybody, don't lead with it, but make sure that the owner is motivated. And we knew that the, we know that the, the seller was like, what are you going to do with the money? They're just going to put it in the bank. Well, would you like to earn five or 6% as opposed to 1%? That sounds like a good idea. Would you like to defer some capital gains? That's a good idea. Don't yeah. lead with, hey, can you do seller financing? So that for us was actually great. And the broker brought that to us. So for us, it was 80% bank financed. 10% okay. we needed as a down payment which was $60,000, 10% of 600. And we took a 10% seller finance note to which we have to today. We're still paying off that little note. Why pay it, right? It's still right. going. We actually extended the note when we refinanced the property. And that 10% of $60,000, we needed to come up with an additional $20,000 for closing costs. So it was me, my brother, Mark, and my partner, Jake, it was $27,000 each for the three of us. We got crappy terms from a community bank on the beginning because, like I said, we didn't know what we were doing. Instead of a 25-year amortization, we got a 20-year AM. We actually got a 6% interest rate on the deal because we got, we, the bank that gave us the owner financing, the bank that we financed it from were the ones who had the loan originally. So they're like, we know the deal works and we'll allow this, the seller financing. So for us, we took crappier terms on the front end and it was a five-year term. So it all worked out great because when we went to refinance it with another bank, we paid them off. We got a 4.19 interest rate. So we went from 6% to 4.19%. We went to a 25-year amortization and we went to a 10-year term on on the deal, right? So 10 years, it's going to balloon. And what happened was we pulled out $160,000 of revenue on it. We we, we refinanced 160 grand. And the crazy thing was the payment didn't go up. The payment stayed about the same because with the AM and with the rate dropping two points, our payments stay the same. So for us, the learning lesson with finance, this is the golden nugget, everybody. Go out and especially with community banks, try to solicit as many community banks as possible. Try to solicit the smaller ones. I, we like working with smaller banks yep. that are hungry and ask them what they have in their portfolio. Do you have multifamily? Do you like multifamily? And don't be afraid to negotiate and to ask. You need to ask the right questions and everything on that third deal it was a 1% origination fee and a $4 million loan. Um, we just asked, can you do three quarters? And he goes, sure. We should have asked for half, half a point. Yeah. No, we're just, we're just learning. So everything is negotiable. But when you go there, you want to you look at the terms. Make sure you compare apples to apples. You're looking at who the guarantors are. You're looking, can you get IO? You're looking at the interest rate. You're not only just looking at interest rate, but you want to see what the amortization is. What is yeah. the loan to value? Are you going to do a loan to cost? Can I get some of the, some of the refunds? some of the uh, rehab costs built into this loan. loan. There's so many different things and and don't underestimate this. We we have a great relationship with our community bank. When we have to get a letter of credit or we need to get something transferred, they're just a pleasure to work with. Don't underestimate if somebody's going to charge you a quarter of a point higher, but they have a great banking relationship. Don't kill that because that's what we did early on. We were focused on price versus value. Sometimes just focusing on interest rate alone and, hey, this guy's going to give me a lower rate, but everything else you don't take into consideration. As an entrepreneur, don't look at just the price. Look at what the value component is to it and make your decision based on that as well. Now I can piggyback off of that, Gino, is because I was looking at a, at a single family mm-hmm. and I use a small community bank. Mm-hmm. Even when I'm not, when I'm in town, I would just go on that community bank, say, hey, to the uh, bank vice president, how you doing? Just let me know if you guys got anything. 
I'm willing to finance everything through you. Let me know if you got something. And he would call me. He was like, hey, Marcus, this is what we got. Let me know if you're interested. So one time when I was there, they had a note that they had to take back. And I went and walked the property, looked at it. They wanted X amount of dollars for it. I came back super low. And he was like, okay, we'll do it. They gave us the financing mm -hmm. for it. Plus they gave us the rehab for it and everything mm -hmm. like that. So what you're saying, those small community banks, guys, are golden. Those are mm -hmm. valuable relationships that you have to keep. I agree 100% with you. Okay. So Gino, what's, what's next, man? What are you guys going forward? What are you guys looking at next? So for us, I, I always just stress to everybody, no deal is better than a bad deal. And, and everyone says, oh, do you want 2,000 units? Do you want 3,000 units? I just want to do good deals. I, I don't want to put stress on the property management company because that's we, we, we're self-managed. So just because I'm adding on, it, it, it's funny. One, one, of, one of the guys told me, it's almost like a syndicator when they have kids and they keep having kids, but they, they abandon those kids. You, you have a kid, you, you own and buy a multifamily property. They are your kids and they're your responsibility. They're your, your, your fiduciary to the investors and your fiduciary to the residents and your fiduciary to your, to your property management company. So I just want to continue to buy really good deals. And if I have to look at 200 deals and underwrite them to get one, that's what we have to end up doing. So, and they come in spurts. You may not have, you may be not find something for three months, and all of a sudden, you get two deals in, in one month. I don't want anybody on this on this you know show listening to get to get what we call get itis where you think you have to get there. I got to get there. I got to get there. Mm -hmm. You have to calm down and don't pencil whip a deal. That's what our coach likes to say. Don't make up the numbers to make yeah. it work for you. When you pencil whip a deal, and we've all been there, and I've made that mistake a couple of times, not with Jake so much, but before then, and we've lost a lot of deals looking back and saying we should have bought them, but that's okay because we lost that deal. There's nothing wrong with losing a good deal. I'd rather lose a good deal and a bad deal at the same time because yeah. I'm sure that I've lost a lot of bad deals. So just from, for us, having that resiliency and being able to teach our students that is worth the price of admission, not letting them make those big mistakes, growing the community, and just continuing to write books. And my, my children are becoming of age right now where they're starting to work with us. So being a role model to them and allowing them to learn the business of real estate and just learn the business itself is what I'm striving to do in the next couple of years. Okay. And I don't want you to prognosticate, but what do you, where do you see the real estate market, especially the uh, multifamily space going in the next six to uh, 12 months with everything that's going on? Well, the great news for everybody is I can't be any more wrong than anybody else is, right? Everyone's been wrong so far. So for me, I look at demographics and I would tell everybody, look at the market and look at policy versus politics. Yep. In the red states, why have they not shut down and why are their economies not wrecked and why are people paying rents in the red states i don't have the answer to that question but that's the reality texas is still doing well for all the stuff that you hear in florida there may be a lot of infections but death rates nowhere near where new york is people are still flocking here there's people moving here from 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 other states you need to look at demographics and see where they're going phoenix people are moving to phoenix from where from california so a blanket statement that multifamily is going to crush it is not accurate it's going to crush it in certain markets where you have job growth and where you have population growth whether that's boise idaho salt lake city raleigh durham north carolina Austin, Texas, where Mr. Tesla is going, right? Mm -hmm. All these places where these jobs are going, that's where I think multifamily is going to rise because you want places where people are moving because it gives you the ability to raise rents. When you raise rents, NOI can go up. 
and valuations are tied to that. And when the cap rates are lower, all it means is there's less risk. Prices are more expensive, but there's less risk because there's more growth. So for me, multifamily long-term with the, you know, the $1.6 trillion in student debt, with the baby boomers wanting to retire, sell their McMansions and sell out and rent, I, I just see it as the affordable housing crisis. I see that there's not enough multifamily units online for the demand going forward. I mean, there's not many people out there having six kids today, getting married early. There, there's not. I think that demographic. So when you get married and start having a family is when you start buying homes. That's happening less and less. People are able to work wherever they want to so they can move wherever they want to. They don't need to buy a home. They can actually go and live anywhere. So for me, I'm bullish long-term on the space, especially if the tax benefits are there. I'm just telling everyone listening, be careful of where you're investing because the, the local government means a lot. If they're telling the people living there, you don't have to pay your rents and we're not going to evict you for another 30 days, that's going to put a hurt on, yeah. on, on the yeah. business. So just be aware of that. Okay. All right. I hope that Sounds answered your good. question. Yes, 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 it did. Sounds good. So tell me, Gino, we talked about what's next. We talked about what you're doing. For someone, what are some, some, some parting words that you would give someone that's looking to get into multifamily space or someone like myself that's transitioning from single family over into multifamily? So the first thing is I would say either pay to play or seek to serve, right? For me, especially the young, the young, the young ones out there, I wish I had done this earlier. I went out and when I started back 10, 15 years ago, I went out and I went to the coaching programs. I didn't, I didn't spend money for my education. I invested in my education. We have to fix, shift the mindset of, of an entrepreneur. It's value for value. Whatever I learned 10 years ago, I still have that now. So for me to get into the space, first of all, just make sure you want to get into multifamily. The second thing is figure out why, have clarity of why you're getting into it, right? The third thing is start going on all those free sites, bigger pockets, go to Jake and Gino, go to every site that you can start digesting and start consuming the content and the podcast. Once you that you've reached a plateau and you can't get whatever you need, that's when you start looking for mentors, start looking for people to work for, start in joining multifamily meetups, start going to groups, start going to events. That's when you start taking it seriously because the education is one thing and then it's education times action equals results. That education that you're taking times that action of working with others and working with mentors yep. will ultimately lead to your results. But you don't have to start in single family. You don't have to start in multifamily. I think you just have to start. I think you have to start and you have to have a burning desire to want to get it done. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you, Gino. Thank you. So right now we are about to put you on a hot seat, Gino. We are going to put Gino on the hot seat here. So Gino, starting out, what would you do differently? You kind of just, just prefaced it, but what would you do differently if you take yourself back to 10, 15 years ago? So for me, I would hire quicker and I would hire sooner. And I would also create a core values for myself. I didn't have one at the restaurant because you attract what you are, not what you want. And I was attracting the quality of employee that I was as an employer. I wasn't the right employer that I wanted. So really flesh out your core values, flesh out what you want from your company, and then hire and fire based off of that. And, and starting back for myself, once you start rolling a little bit, don't be afraid to delegate. Don't be afraid to hire out because that's going to come back to you 5X and 10X. That was a hard lesson for me to learn, letting go having an ego and saying, somebody can do it better than me. And it's okay if they do it better than me because I can't be good at everything. That's that was right. a hard lesson for me. Good, good. So outside of, what is your greatest commodity outside of capital? So my greatest commodity might sound cliche, is hard work. When you're working at the restaurant, you're working on Christmas Eve, you're working on Easter, you're working every weekend, you're working when it's 100 degrees, you're working when it's 30 degrees, you're working in unpleasant conditions, 
and you're just used to working hard. And as an immigrant, my parents were immigrants. I was just a hard worker. So now when I see people say they're working hard, come on, guys. When you're outside digging yeah. a ditch in Florida and it's 100 degrees, that, that's hard work. What we're doing, it's different kind of work. I'm not saying it's not, but you need, I mean, every business, you have to put in work, hard work. So I think my, my biggest commodity is hard work. Just not, not saying, oh, roll up your sleeves and let's do it. So for All me, right. that would be it. Okay. What drives your ambitions? Outside of your six kids. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> for me, it's to be a role model. Marcus, when I was at the restaurant, the thing that I hated most is I'd come home and I wasn't happy. And I didn't want my kids equating hard work to being miserable. And that, mm-hmm. that really would stick me. That would really bother me. I'd be like, coming home, I wasn't happy. Now that now here, right now, one of my kids came in while I was recording and she sees a smile on my face and she knows that I like to do this work and I really like it and you know, I enjoy it. So that's my driving force is I, I can really help people out. I I love sharing my knowledge and I love being a role model to my kids and to the Jake and Gino community because I was taught that working hard, that's all you got to do. You work hard, you make a paycheck at the end of the day, you're happy. My mom says, why would you be unhappy? You've got a nice little business here. Look at everyone else out there. Everyone else is unhappy, but we don't want to be like everybody else. We want to do something we really enjoy. Why do we need to be conditioned like that? We don't need to be conditioned like that in the year 2020. Find your sole purpose and then figure out how to monetize in your sole purpose because there's a lot of people out there that are doing it right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even during these times. Mm -hmm. So, Gino, what do you believe is your greatest challenge, if it's internal or external? Greatest challenge. I wrote this down. I don't know why I wrote the current intelligence of the United States. I I guess I'm a little pissed (laughs) off at 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 just the, the current divisiveness of what's going on. I don't think people really looked at things objectively. I think it's either you're either black or you're white, you're red or you're blue. I mean, and the majority of us fall like somewhere in between. And, mm-hmm. and I don't think we looked at it objectively. So I think for us, it's just, I'm trying to teach finance, kids financial intelligence. That's what I'm trying to do. I think people with financial intelligence can change the world for the better. I, I really do. When you can control personal debt versus business debt and you can understand how to use credit and you can understand how money works and you can understand the banking system and inflation and what's going on with the printing of the dollars. I think that's the greatest challenge that we have right now is to have, have a society that understands all of these things and how it affects us. Stimulus is great, but who's paying for that? I mean, it's coming from somewhere and that's why multifamily, the prices are elevating. That's why rents are are going to are going to continue to rise knowing that having that financial intelligence will help people prosper uh, to me i don't think it's a class thing I, I don't think it's a race thing as much as a class thing where you have the rich and you have the poor That's and you it. have people who are i don't even i don't mean riches in dollars i mean riches in mentality like well, the per- poor person works for money the rich person has money work for them there's a big difference I thought 10 years ago, yeah, you're working hard for your money is your money working hard for you. I thought that was a cliche, but I'm like, wow, these people really know what the hell they're talking about. They can yep. leverage their time. It's not only their money, they're leveraging other people's time. You know, you're leveraging other people's experience and they're not looking at how much do I got to pay Marcus to help me out. They're saying how much value can Marcus give me because I'm willing to trade my dollars for Marcus's experience and time. And that was like, wow, that was really completely life-changing for me because now all of a sudden we have so many employees that can help us do so many different things and the pie is not finite. The pie can become infinite or pie can become much bigger. Yeah. And that's just getting out of that mind state of I'm a, like you Mm -hmm. were saying in the beginning. Okay, Gino. So we're going to wrap up here, man. Tell me, give us and the listeners some information about your book, about the podcast, kind of come on, man. Let us know what Jake and Gino is up to and how we can be a part. 
Just go to jakeandgina.com, Marcus. Just go on there. You're going to see all our podcasts on there. You see the ones in the back. We do four weekly shows. We have the book, The Honey Bee. So if you want to go and get some resources on The Honey Bee, just go to jakeandgino.com forward slash honeybee. That's got a page on there with some, with some audios on there. It's got some videos from The Honey Bee. You can download our credibility book and we want to schedule a call with our team. You can do it there. The resources are there. We're there. So we've been doing this multifamily for the last six or seven years. Trust me, if Jake who's a pharmaceutical rep, and Gino, who's the pizza guy, can do it. Anybody can do it out there. Trust me. All right, guys. So I'll make sure I have all of that information in the show notes. Remember, go to jakeandgino.com. You can go to jakeandgino.com slash honeybee. All of the resources are there. Make sure you go there, especially if you're looking to get into the multifamily space or you're looking to expand into more and bigger deals, learn how to raise capital, learn how to be a part, learn how to Mm -hmm. passively invest, learn how to be owner operators and property managers like Gino. All of that information is there at jakeandgino.com. So Gino, and parting, man, what's the last words you want to give our listeners? Have a growth mindset. Read the book Mindset by Carol Dweck. The growth mindset will serve you. Fixed mindset is what? I don't know that. It's somebody else's fault. It's the pandemic. It's this. You're making excuses. The growth mindset is it's all about hard work. And it's all about learning. And it's all about growing. All right. Well, Gino, I want to thank you, man. Thank you. Wonderful show. You gave us some great content, some great things to put on, on our minds. Really appreciate you, man. So thank you again. Guys, we will make sure everything is in the show notes for you in order to get in touch with Jake and Gino and Gino specifically. So, hey, remember to always enjoy the journey. That's right. Thanks, Marcus. You're welcome, Gino. Thank you. All right. I had to take a deep breath after that. Gino definitely put some things on my mind. Hopefully he put some things on your mind in regards to just expanding what you're thinking, what you're trying to do. Because remember, I'm trying to do 50 units by the time I'm 50. That is in four years. Well, they're at 1,600 units in five years. So yeah, that's the thing. So once you get around the right people, you can expand your vision, you can expand your thinking. So right now I'm looking at myself like, man, my goal is a little bit limited compared to where I need to be and where I can be. So guys, just keep that in mind. Go to jakeandgino.com and get all of the information in regards to multifamily space. I am currently making a transition from single family over to multifamily. I am still a firm believer and still love doing transactions. So I'm still doing wholesaling and things like that. But we're taking that money. We're taking that that capital and transitioning it from earned income over into passive income. So we're taking that money and going out and buying multifamily units, single family units. So if you want to get on this track, if you want to reach out to me, you know where to go. You can go to MarcusEMaloney.com. I have the 15-minute free consultation there. If you need contracts, you need other content, I have tons of videos there. So just go to MarcusEMaloney.com or you can go to YouTube where you'll see this podcast at YouTube.com slash Maloney. That's M-R-C-S Maloney. You can find me on, again, All of my social media handles are at MRCS Maloney. That's Twitter, that's IG and YouTube. I mean, not YouTube, but and 
Facebook, it's Marcus Maloney. All right, guys, remember to enjoy the journey, get out there, take action, and move now. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items, and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.